The Caribbean is often described as the most tourism-dependent region in the world. A titan is described as one that stands out for greatness of achievement, one who is influential in his field. I'm Marlene Stevenson-Dally, and welcome to the first in our series of podcasts. I am absolutely delighted. We call it Tourism Titans. It's about the movers and shakers of the industry, men and women who have contributed to its growth and development in the region, and indeed, the world. In this, our first podcast of Tourism Titans, we speak with the Honorable Edmund Bartlett, Jamaica's highly decorated and hardworking Minister of Tourism. He has had more awards than I can count. Among them, Caribbean Tourism Minister of the Year at the Caribbean Travel Awards 2017, Pacific Area Travel Writers Association, PATWA, Tourism Minister of the Year for 2018, the 2019 Travi Awards, Chairman's Award for Global Tourism Innovation, the Gleaner Hospitality Jamaica 2019 Pioneer Award, and he was recently inducted into the Global Tourism Hall of Fame and received the Travel Pulse Award for Global Innovation, among many others. This is a long way from George's Plain, Westmoreland. Minister, how you do? Take us back to your childhood. Oh, thank you so much, Marlene. Uh, childhood, that's a little way down the road. Yes. But, what, what did you want to be? But when, it's, when it's interesting how childhood for me was a mix of being a child and an adult, kind of. Um, I, I grew up in a very rural community which is characterized by the trappings of the plantation. Mm -hmm. So sugar and its derivatives were the basis on which we understood even what life was about. We grew up with people uh, cutting cane, weeding cane, harrowing cane, mm -hmm. transporting cane, you know, um, grinding cane at the factory, making juice from it then sugar mm -hmm. um, and then rum uh, and then we saw the effect of that in terms of the community development and, and, and how the workers behaved what happened on a Friday when they get their pay how they <laughs> spent it rum. even <laughs> yes um, and also how the social evolution within our communities, um, you know, happened over the time um, with somehow the feeling that the zenith of your achievement would be to work um, as a scale clerk or as a, or a, busher. a busher eventually. <laughs> well, busher was a little out of your way because the, um, the ethno what you call the phenotype, mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. did not match you. Um, so Busha was kind of off-scale off a little. But um, you could look at being a good scale clerk, good, uh, a, a lab technician in the distillery. Distillery, yes. Uh -huh. And so on. So, um, but then the educational opportunities in communities like those um, were limited to, you know, elementary school or primary school mm -hmm. uh, as it evolved into um, and then the opportunity for the very few 
to get a scholarship to yes. high school. Um, I was fortunate to be one of the very few that got a scholarship to high school. But church and, um, and you know, community clubs played an important role in those little communities also. A church, I think, had a more dominant role in that this, this was the, the sort of repository of the moral values of the community. And, um, so you, you had to attend church, yes, church you, on a Sunday? Absolutely. Yes. You look forward to that. Um, but also, it helped to shape your life to determine your sense of right and wrong. Um, and, and it critically affected your choice. You know, what decisions you made and choices that flow from it. Um, the, then there's the question of your peers and, and, you know, and how they again evolved uh, over time. What do they do? What, the, what, what we all did for leisure, for mm -hmm. you know, ring games. What were some of the things you did? The ring games and hopscotch and you know, playing marble and you used to set springe and playing and those gig. Kinds of things. <laughs> uh, you know what playing gig is? Of course, yeah, of course. Yes, and, and springes and marbles. And yeah, we went out to yes. shoot birds with catapults that were made <laughs> from the sticks. Of, yeah, <laughs> those kinds of things. And cherry trees and so on and so on. So these were nice childhood things that you did. But you also had chores as a child, because in our community you had no electricity or running water. And there was no paved macadamized roads like you guys <laughs> have. Had. So we all had to, to 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 go to what we call the wood bush mm -hmm. to look wood for the fire, <laughs> yes, for the fire, so that we could parents could cook and so on. And then we had to also go to the spring to get water, water. and all those things you had to carry on your head you know water and water wood. and wood on your head yeah bearers and, of wood and, and drawers and then, of water and then the women of the community would go down to the river mm -hmm. to wash on wash days which was usually monday okay. and uh, on wednesdays and then the ironing day now the day when they would press all the clothes <laughs> it would be friday right. you know and, and then the butcher's um, uh, stall the butcher's house they didn't have nice words like abattoir like you have now you know <laughs> we just called the butcher shop yes. right? and that's a friday too so we all look forward as kids to um a slaughtering of the pigs and and, and, goats, and the goats and, and the cows and yes. so on right um and then the various quarters that's what we would get in the community because the prime part of the beef would be gone to the estate yes, and all those yes. uh, people who work and were more highly healed than we were. <laughs> but the, the, the hindquarters, you know, the leg, the foot, mm -hmm. as you call it, cow foot. Yes, that was yes, a little yes. cow tail, as, uh, you know. And then we had a little old lady named Miss Knight who would then deal with the entrails right. and she would spend time cleaning it up and, and that made great soup. So it's, it, those were the kind and of skin. things. Yeah, and the skin. skin, oh yes, yes. cow skin, of course, yes. So, so that was what community was, but then sports. And I love sports. I was cricket. I, mean, I played good cricket to a very high level eventually. Um, but being a little lad, I always was playing with the senior guys. I was never seen playing with my age group. So 
I became an umpire, for example, at about the age of 10, 11. Wow. I mean, amazing. And, and standing up at these community matches and, and, and used to have a, a, a cricket competition called Arthur Norton Cricket Competition, which was among community clubs around. And, and so I would go and be an umpire. Oh, right. At that age. <laughs> and they took, you know, and they, they had regard for my decision as an umpire. So all of those are early formative years that helped to, to craft who you know you would become in fact I think and uh, the confidence that you would develop in your own judgment and your abilities mm -hmm. then the church provided a tremendous background for that for me did you sing in the choir oh or any I such thing? did everything in church. <laughs> I sang in the choir I recited I preached I <laughs> taught at Sunday school. And it wasn't and on the days when it rained and passed and didn't show. No, sure. no, absolutely <laughs> not. I mean, as a matter of fact, I became something of a phenomenon, you know, a child prodigy, a child phenomenon in church, um, you know, and would So go. some thought you might become a preacher? Indeed. I mean, it was marked out. My mother had that very clearly marked out in her mind that that's you. You're going to be a minister of the gospel you're probably going to be a bishop or something but that's you and all of the indications were pointing in that direction until you got to university and then <laughs> i was about to ask until you got then, to stets and or then, no stets was still still very much yes. involved in everything at stets one word it. to describe your mom my mom was many persons shall I say, many people in one person. Mm -hmm. You know, sh she was mother. But then it's not one word then, so tell me a few words. <laughs> <laughs> no, my, my mother is an absolute phenomenal woman. She, she was mother, wife, worker, caregiver, everything. I mean, my mother was a unique creation of God. Mm -hmm. a absolutely unique creation of God. How she did it, only God knows. It's, you know, with nine children. I was about to ask you how many yes. siblings. I didn't realize with it was nine that children many. children overall. Wow. How many boys? You how know, many girls? Um, I think there are three girls and six boys. And she managed it. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling, I have, to, I mean, I have to write. I have to write in my <laughs> memoirs a very special section, not chapter, section mm -hmm. on my mother, because um, Edith Clark said my mother who fathered me, mm -hmm. and, as a, and that became quite a, a, a signature piece of um, sociological explanation of yes. the Jamaican family situation, um, but. My father's life and his involvement in community and everything took him away from us. He became more of a community man than a family mm -hmm. man in the mm -hmm. sense, and maybe that's what I've become too in a little way. <laughs> so that's why I glory in my mother in the way that I do. Yeah. So, so Stets was quite an interesting 
um, experience. Stets, I figure you were you were head boy at Steps, and, and you building, did a lot of from first form straight through until I left. What I Steps? taught, I taught while I was a student there. I taught evening classes okay. for teachers when they were not able to attend, <laughs> when there was a missing teacher for. For the first form, mm -hmm. you know, when I was in fourth form and having done GC and passed already, they asked me to go and teach. Um, you know, I was president of the Students' Council, president of SCM, you know, cadet, captain of the cricket team. I mean, <laughs> the debate You took on society. a number of leadership roles. So all of those things seem to have been part of this confluence of preparatory activities yes. that the divine had been um, arranging and yes. weaving that would have together. prepared a perfect foundation so, and being able to yeah. manage so, your time so when, and by the so time you got to university you were doing other things now you had an interesting confrontation with the church um, <laughs> that's a discussion that another discussion <laughs> yes, well, what are some of your favorite memories at uwi Oh, well, UWI was quite a day for me. Firstly, my, my best memories uh, relate to the year I served as chairman of the ICC, that's the Interclubs Committee, mm -hmm. on the Guild of Honor. Yes. And I established or re-established one, the Color Awards activity, that is to give recognition to student leaders in various areas of um, the, the life of the university. Mm -hmm. um, and then to reignite the inter-school debate that the university had supported, the Guild of Undergraduates had supported. Um, and that, that brought, I think, um, brought, brought me a bit in the forefront in that this was all the schools across Jamaica mm -hmm. that we were coordinating this debate. Uh, I think it, 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 it sort of brought out some personalities too, um, like Antoinette Horton. If you, yes, she, I she, she emerged as the most outstanding debater in the competition and got the Michael Manley trophy. Okay. And, um, and then there was um, young Belle from um, Montego Bay High School. Uh, she, she died recently, but she became a, a very celebrated artist in Jamaica. At Dress and so on. Pernell? Christine Chris Bell. Oh, Christine. Christine, Christine Bell. Bell. Yeah, she 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 also um, came out as an outstanding debater um, from Montego Bay. So, Antoinette was from Excelsior, and she was from from Montego, Montego Bay. Bay. So that gave us an opportunity to have, just after Michael Manley won, in seventy two. His, the first outing for him, and so his inaugural speech yes, yes. was given at the university at our color award ceremony, wow. at which we <laughs> also made the presentation for the outstanding debaters and so on, and the, and the school that won the challenge trophy. So that I think was a high point. I played cricket for the university for four years. I mean, I, I, um, I, I. Were you a batsman or a bat both, or, or a bowler? Both, both all around. Okay, yeah. all around. Right. So, um, you know, my life there was very interesting, very exciting. We, we made great friends, really friends great friends. Friends that you have to, oh, yes, till today. Enduring to today. Yes. But there was something about that period. There was a greater sense of Caribbean integration mm -hmm. among. Because my hall, for example, Irving, was 
perhaps the I most was integrated. Too. Yeah, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's why you're wonderful, <laughs> such a wonderful person. You know, that was the melting pot. I mean, we had a spine, and the spine was where it all happened. Everybody came, and um, you know, we would have real fun. And in the early years there, we used to have formal dinners. University doesn't have well after. I think the second year or so they stop having if, it. If you take a, a look at the museum at the university, which is at the headquarters across the road, mm -hmm. you will see all that fine bone china, china and yes. all of the stuff that you no, have I'm to do the formal dinners. The whole business of um, you know, you know gastronomy yes, in its height. That's another level. And more so, the social graces. Yes. I mean, the university was also for refinement. It wasn't just for academic excellence it was also for building the human character yes and, and your to, professional yes. etiquette and grace yes. and poise and all of that we dispense with <laughs> a bit of that and i'm not sure how helpful it has been yeah. in creating a new university that has now become quite a, uh, a less than delightful place for a lot of people it's an amazing pain that you bear sometimes just to look at what is there. Yes, yes. It's painful when you hear the stories. So we don't always have to And the, the safety the issues yeah. exactly yes, yes. at the university. I think there were a lot of powerful, strong character building, you know, um, activities, activities that, that we no dispensed with yes. and that I believe has had an, a, a deleterious effect on the image and and, and in, in my mind the vitality of of the university mm. let's talk a little bit about your first job oh my first out of job. out of university <laughs> what, interesting. My what first are the options job. open well, to well uh, first of all vivacious young country boy <laughs> first of all i i worked i worked every holiday and interestingly the first place i worked is the university <laughs> Because I left high school straight, mm -hmm. and the the the, the um, summer, I got a summer job at the Ridge, at the purchasing department mm -hmm. of the university, and I worked with them there almost every summer until the last year. Okay, so you know how yeah. beneficial an internship <laughs> Absolutely. program is. Yes. Hence, something like the Spruce of Jamaica Tourism, Tourism Summer Intern Absolutely. Program. <laughs> and then, of course, the last year I I got a a, um, a holiday job with ICD. Um, at their King Street, um, I think it was um, Home Electrics, mm -hmm. one of their uh, subsidiaries, and we were doing a billing system for them. I can't forget that. Um, and then, so the first real job, you know, then is with uh, Revere Bauxite Company. On mm -hmm. leaving Newey, I went straight there, and um, it spent about nine months because. They ran into some difficulty afterwards. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, they um, they had to to close. But then I went to Texaco after. So Texaco essentially became the real job experience because I stayed there until I leave to become a minister. Ah, <laughs> and, so and I rose, you know, to the position of marketing manager for Jamaica and Grand Cayman during all of that. From um, and of course. My family developed from within that experience too. I got married, we got my first child, <laughs> my second child. And then I went and 
dabbled in politics initially there in 76 and uh, my first campaign in a state of emergency which is another big story that has uh. to be written um, and then um, you know I got promoted and transferred back to Kingston in this new position of marketing manager and then got deeper into the JLP politics. Um, Why politics? Well, because politics provided still the most important way of truly influencing the lives um, of a nation. It's it's not just being a social worker. Mm -hmm. It's not just being uh, industrialists. And all these are very important. But to be fashioning legislation and determining laws and mm -hmm. how the society is ordered and organized and managed is, is I think, the supreme task of any citizen. Yes. And, and it is something that is, is pretty divinely guided too um, and, and so much care has to be taken in execution because a wrong a wrong decision doesn't impact you it, it impacts, impacts the nation, the nation. Yes. Uh, and so so much care has to be taken in that so so i think the, the business of party is perhaps the highest calling mm -hmm. because it's it's it it's it's it's, it's being what I believe God wants you to be, right? The custodian of the rights of man, not, not the abuser, but the custodian yes. of his right. The, the one so your, upholds, your job is one of stewardship. Yes, that upholds this. Yes. And in doing so, you have to think of so many things. Uh, and, and in addition to which, the idiosyncrasies of so many mm -hmm. have to be, you know, contended with, yes. and 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 in contending create harmony, and because in the end, that's what the objective is harmony. Yes. So the the politician's role then is to harmonize all the disparate pieces, and bring them together, bring them together. Yes. And you know you won't always agree, but we can agree to disagree. Of course, because what that and the greater good. What what that what that agreement does is to recognize the differences, yes. and to not make the differences become a point of separation, but a, one of appreciating the, the and respecting yes, and respecting who you are and what you are. So this this the, the 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 politicians get a lot of bashing for various reasons, and it, it's too because of some of the things I've just said. If you have to contend with different views, varying approaches, and different attitudes and idiosyncrasies, you're bound to have a situation where one or two clash from time to yes. time, and where that happens, you always get the wrong end of the, <laughs> <laughs> the expressions so so that's fine as long as you are you know focused and you you, you really are doing it for the right reasons yes. 
and for the greater good. Indeed. The greater good. Yeah. Any role models or mentors? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, a reverend gentleman remains in my mind until, and I'm sure forever till I die, Reverend Nelson, uh, Vernon Nathaniel Nelson, uh, who, who was the pastor in my little district in George's Plain when I was a child. I think that the impact of him and his ministry on my life and development mm -hmm. is indelible and it, it really has done a lot to fashion and structure my own sense of you know of right and wrong and 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 how to comport yourself in dealing with people because he had a a, a, a unique way I think of settling disputes and making people feel comfortable and happy. Um, because that was his job. That's what ministers do. Mm -hmm. Ministers go between... Conciliation. Con exactly, yes, exactly, yes. exactly. I think I've learned a lot in that in that way from him. Um, you know, on, on, on the political scene, uh, they, there's, there's a, a whole... How do I put this? <laughs> because I think Edward Siago had the dominant yes. influence on us. I mean... In fairness, 30-odd years of my political life was under his kind of either leadership directly yes. mm -hmm. or, or indirectly. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, I think that his mode of conducting business, his sense of duty and his assiduity, was infectious and that has helped to fashion the way I operate and work you know in the ministry and elsewhere um, I, I I wouldn't say I'm a workaholic but you have a tremendous I, work <laughs> ethic but, <laughs> minister Bartlett yes. um, and I think Edward Siago has instilled that yes. in us and if you see Babsy Grange for example Minister Grange how yes. she you could see she's you know, selfless and, yes, and tenacious. In, in, um, in so, approach. so, so that I think, um, you know, everybody has their up and down, and it is for you to take the ups yes. and make <laughs> the ups work for you. So, I took Siaga's ups, and I believe we've not done it has that. Served you well. Yes. A little birdie told me, and I know it to be true, that you've always served with a lot of passion, whether it was in sports or in culture. Whatever it is, you bring the same tenacity to the job. And as I said, the people in the Ministry of Tourism and all of the public bodies that are associated, and I'm sure your colleagues and your friends, know you for this tenacity to your job and your sense of purpose. What motivates you? Well, you know, I go back to childhood and this role model, this minister. Reverend Gentleman. Yeah, because he too had passion. I mean, he, he was musician pastor, teacher, preacher, counselor. community man, yes. counselor, builder. Mm -hmm. He would get out there and do construction work like yes. anybody else to build the, the church, yes. the physical structure, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth, and go to visit people. Now, one of the things he did most that I think was his relationship with the people, the ordinary people. He went and visited almost everybody in the community. So he knew them, he knew them by name. The shut-ins, the sick, the 
Yeah. Everybody. Right. So so that that sort of say it, he had a motto which said <laughs> it's better to work out than to rust out. <laughs> okay. And that sort of stuck with me, you know, that you mustn't sit and become a fossil. Yes. You work because that's that's what your dash is limited. Yes. Fill it with activities. You know, do what you must and continue to do it until the day when you can do no more. Yes. I think that's been a, a way that I have learned to to manage my stewardship of things, mm -hmm. you know, relationships, people. I don't lose friends easily. Um, and, and when I say that, even if I'm a million miles away, and, and and also uh, distance and time, like years I haven't seen you. Right. So it changes nothing in relation to that moment when we get together it's again. It's like you don't miss a beat. Yes. You just pick up right yeah, where you left yeah. off. That's, that's how I am. Um, and sometimes it's misunderstood because people believe that you're, you're distant or you may be aloof or, you, you know. I'm not sure if they feel selfish. I'm not so sure about that. But certainly. But it's interesting you say that because in speaking with somebody else, and I said, give me one word that you would use to describe Minister Edmund Bartlett, and the first word that came out was genuine. Oh, well, thank genuine. you. Genuine. very kind. <laughs> but, uh, you know, th this is where my head is. If, if I am committed to do something, I'm doing it to the end, and I'm seeing it through. I don't leave things hanging because to do that is to dis disrespect you know the the confidence mm -hmm. that people have in you and that's not good you know so you try to complete your task um, sometimes you don't do as well as you would like would like to but yes. But it's You've you, done you the best. Your best. Exactly, exactly. I believe it was Louise exactly. Bennett Coverley who said to me years ago, she said, you know, Marlene, when you do your best, you can't do no can't better. Do it better. That's so it. just to do your best. And, and that's what I strive to do. So the many things that we have touched and covered over the last 47 years. <laughs> it's been that in long. In public life. 47 <laughs> years. Wow. That's um, an achievement. Yeah. 47 years this year and um, uh, I, I figured probably I, I could make the half century on this. <laughs> but of course. Uh, just, just with a little luck and, and God's help and finish some of what we've started. You know, and, um, and I like to do that. One of the things I want to finish is I want to make the Jamaican economy, future-proof mm -hmm. from shocks. Such as pandemics, Epidemics. natural disasters, all of those kinds of things that and we have to develop resilience. And to, to do that, mm -hmm. and to do that, I believe very firmly that if you build out the capacity of the people of Jamaica to be resilient, to know how to mitigate, manage, and then to recover from yes. these shocks.
then the economy would be safe because the economy is about the people. It's all about the people. And and you miss the boat if you think it's the technology and the machines and even the money. It's all about the people. So I have in tourism, you notice we spend a lot of time on building human capital. Yes. A lot of training and development that takes place across the agencies in fact. And then we try to we give uh, the, the ability now to utilize resources to convert ideas and then how to position it, present it, market it. Mm -hmm. So if we, if, we, if we are able to succeed in doing that, I believe, you know, all people will be able to pivot and to adapt quickly mm -hmm. to changing circumstances where their their job is not a drudging one nine to five you know repeated action but their job is a process where they can innovate and change and and adapt as the circumstance mm -hmm. determine and even if there is a shock that you have to respond to you can do that in the quickest possible time saying. and you That's can come point. back stronger. That's the whole point. So that also requires a change in the content of your education. Mm -hmm. and, and that's still my dream and wish, and I speak about that every time I get a chance. Because, And that's one of the reasons I spend so much money, time, and effort on the education program in my constituency. Yes. You know, that's a signature achievement if I'm allowed to say one that I am huge. Yes, what are you proud most of? proud about? Hugely in terms proud of, of. Forty seven years in yeah, public the life. Thousands of mm -hmm. children all over the world. Every time I travel to any city there's yes. always one. <laughs> you know, I go to London and Professor Boris comes to me from Augustone and she brings her students to meet me. I go to Dubai and I see you know, um, my student who is now a uh, senior partner in one of the investment firms. I was Mona, at a graduation on Mona the weekend I, and I had to mention as well that there were two young ladies there in who, that room who were beneficiaries of that, right, of a scholarship right. from the East All Central the people who work for me now. St. James Fund, yes. In, in Fund. my immediate mm -hmm. office mm -hmm. at the ministry mm -hmm. are students who have passed through our program. Wonderful. A young lawyer. My special assistant, she was at the function, yes. right? And then the girls who work at the office, both of them came. <laughs> All three, the boy as well. Yes. Yeah. And we have medical students grad right now in China that we support. We, across know, the gamut of careers that you would have impacted and perhaps have, had they not been given that opportunity, absolutely, it would not have absolutely. happened for them. And that's so so that's, that's been, block. yes. And the reason that I continue to do this is that there is also an attrition, which is painful, mm -hmm. because not everybody who is a beneficiary of the program utilizes it well. Uh. And it pains me sometimes to see what has happened to some. Right. Um, a wasted you know. opportunity. But the glory of the achievements of so many others. I think it's the love averages. Yeah. Some will fall. Some will fall. Yeah, some yes. will fall by the wayside, well, and the others will make you the immensely good Lord, proud. The good Lord 
had a good story to tell, which is not really helpful to us. <laughs> we are the other nine. But um, <laughs> even that one yes. must inspire you to continue to do more good. What do you do for relaxation, Edmund Bartlett? What do you do? How do you let you? Well, you don't have too much hair these days, but <laughs> how do you let well, you? I must tell you, I, I like to dance when we get a chance. Ah, it's not yes, very I've often. seen you at it. Yeah, it's not very often, but when I get a chance, I like to dance. And, um, and you know, I, as I said, I used to play good cricket, and so that 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 was. Now I play. Uh, a little more indoor games like dominoes. I play a lot of dominoes with, you know, um, and I I enjoy sitting on dis discourses. I, um, you know, we have this university um, center, the Global Tourism Resilience, yes. and and that for me provides a lot of opportunity for mental relaxation. Um, you know, we sit down and have great long discussions and various aspects of human development and um, you know and what are the the trends mm -hmm. I, it's funny I'm fascinated by looking you know at um, metaphysics and you read a lot yeah. and, and, <laughs> and, and I, I, I enjoy looking into the future and see what's possible based on this technology that is developing this capability that the technology has, mm -hmm. you know, for innovation and and for reimagining yes. things, transformation. Uh, it, it's amazing. So, uh, even when I go to visit other countries, mm -hmm. and um, nowadays we go to universities because we're setting up centers yes. in a number of universities, we end up with very long and very interesting discussions with professors on future trends. So I get a lot of excitement out of that, I must tell you. Um, and um, I'm not working. Because you're doing what you love. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite place to visit? You know, you've visited oh. many countries, you know, just heralding Jamaica's You know, suppose I tell you the tourists, truth, the hard, cold truth. My favorite place to visit is Jamaica. <laughs> Amazing place Jamaica is. So as I mean, there, there is nothing that excites me more than coming back home from a trip to anywhere because the feeling is so different. I think I appreciate Jamaica so much more by going to other places. So as Jamaica's chief salesman and chief spokesman for our tourism product, sell me Jamaica. Tell oh, me, why oh should no. I come to Jamaica, which is oh your no. favorite place no, to well, visit? No, I, I tell you one good thing. <laughs> The, the thing I sell most is this great idea called Jamaica. You know, we're not a country, we're an idea. And um, you are made of ideas. So if you want to find yourself <laughs> and be yourself, come to Jamaica. Come to Jamaica. Sharing this great idea. Um, the, you know, when our forefathers crafted the motto out of many one, that was a great inspiration. And it was a statement being made about this idea of Jamaica, that we could be the place for everyone and anyone. Mm -hmm. um, and that race and color and class and creed were insignificant. Don't matter. Right, because what we are, we are a confluence of all those things. Uh, we, we just 
a mosaic, a melting pot of humanity. And that's Ooh, why we. Jamaica <laughs> will survive and we will not die. <laughs> How do you remain so upbeat? Because I remember throughout the pandemic and there's a lot of despair, a lot of hopelessness in some instances. How do you remain so upbeat, so positive, despite a lot of the challenges that we've had and, and, and continue to have in some respects? Yesterday I spoke at Christmas in July. And um, sometimes my speeches are not easily reproduced because they tend to be a little deeper in terms of thought rather than expressing hard, you know, economic outturns or even direct policy. Mm -hmm. um, so I spoke about future-proofing the the market the industry um, and looking ahead with what I call the sense of the longer view to see what the trends are so we know how to act right because we can anticipate we can anticipate we can prepare and 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 when 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 I started talking about resilience. The world was talking about sustainability, as you know, and yes. sustainability only. Uh, and and when we set up the first resilience center, it was two years before the pandemic. And when I went to Kenya to establish the first one in December of 2019. And this was before? Yes. In 2021, when I went back, to see them, they call me a prophet. I said, why? <laughs> he said, because we don't understand. You established this thing in Jan um, December, December. 29th, and by March, the world had declared a pandemic. So, the way we have operated in tourism in Jamaica has been to look at all the things that need to come together to shore up this industry. Not the marketing, not the product development, mm -hmm. not the psychosocial engagement that is important, but the mix of all. And to be able to see that in a single picture and to then craft policy programs and activities That's around it is, is, is what makes us able to... Um, anticipate the next move so when we go to the Middle East and we're saying we want to enter that market yes. uh, but we're not just wanting to enter that market we want to open a gateway because that gateway now allows Asia North Africa to have access and to work with the big airlines. That is to say a recession may come, can come, will come. Yes. But when it comes and we fall from market one. You would have diversified sufficiently that we to can benefit the from. Increment from market, market two and yes. three. Yes. And that's that's really what what we're doing. So um the the other thing is who are the drivers of tourism? 
the other small and medium and micro enterprises. And Jamaica has led the way in that. We've talked a lot about what we've done. You know the story well, right? We train, we finance, we market, right? And we and we put more people benefiting from tourism now than ever before. And people are actually recognizing that trickle-down effect. And, and, and it's not trickling down anymore. It's and up. all of the different areas that are yes, feeding that's into right. the industry. So, so it's not trickling, yeah. it's, it's up. It's going up. Yes, yes. because this, these are the experiences that people buy. That's why they travel. Yeah. And, and so the more things there are for people to do, to experience, to consume, it's the more people who will come. All right. So my last point on that future-proofing, is that don't worry about diversification of the economy. Go ahead and diversify the economy. Because the more things you do to create jobs and provide income, it's the more opportunities you have for travel. Yes. And the more reasons you give for people to, to visit want to Jamaica. Come. So tourism will grow. Uh, exponentially if the economy is diversified yes quite an interesting insight and i certainly hope that persons who are even from the diaspora who are listening in are taking notes because it also presents a lot of opportunities for, for persons from oh outside yes. oh yes. or jamaicans absolutely absolutely because tourism is driven by ideas and every idea you have has a potential to be an income-generating activity. Yes. Every idea. Yesterday I said, can you imagine people make money in tourism from having two crabs race? <laughs> yes, I remember those days. Yes. And and soldier. You know, yes, soldier. So, yes, did it, I yeah? remember them. The Holiday Inn in Whittingham was famous for crab races. And my mom would take us there yeah. on an occasional So you don't have to be to a rocket scientist. Right, you 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 needn't even have been to school. It's <laughs> <laughs> just the University of Life, yes. you know. So so this is a great um, way, I think, of transferring wealth from the rich to the poor. Yes. Tourism. It's, um, Minister, I'm going to switch a little bit on you. You've been married for over forty years. Give us some advice as to. How, how do you fan the flames of love? Oh, that's <laughs> strong. As a matter of fact, I'm leaving you to, to go and make sure that the flame still flickers. <laughs> no, but we are 48, going 49 years. Wow. Um, wow. But, you know, if you add a little bit before that, it's probably a little over 50. Wow. Um, it, it's, I tell you, it's a lot of what I said earlier mm -hmm. about understanding and knowing the idiosyncrasies and how you make the differences not become a point of division yes. in your life, but the differences you see as part of what is unique and what needs sometimes to, to help to give energy and effort to a process. Yes. Because if both of you are seeing eye to eye on every matter, how monotonous and that crazy. Would be. <laughs> so, so, so I think that by itself, is, it's not about you know being at home every day of the week and you know being overpouring at it. No, it is about understanding who you have 
I know how to make her happy. Uh, that sounds so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I have two quick questions for you, Minister, because I know our time is running out. But if if you had an autobiography, what would the title be? Well, <laughs> it's a very interesting one, actually. Somebody's about two or three people working on something. Um, but an autobiography might very well be the journey from Jane Marks to the world. <laughs> <laughs> Jane Marks. To the world. To the world. And what would you want your legacy of all these many years in the Jamaican political environment and in the Ministry of Tourism, different iterations, the collection of Human all of Human capital been? development. Human. Human capital development. Human capital development. There can be nothing more critical to your memory than the lives that you have touched to make them enriched. And the enrichment of life is not just money, you know, it's a whole strong character. It's about the deeper and more lasting qualities of a man um, and if you could allow your life to shine in somebody else's life mm -hmm. yes that's my biggest and most enduring legacy we've had block and steel yes you know the things I do in East Central St. James now. We build communities. Yes. We build in Grange Pen now, literally, from scratch, as you can see. We build Lilliput. We build Barton. We made over Barton. We build a new community called Edmund Ridge now. Yes. So we do those things, but they are not as critical in terms of the legacy as when we have been able to change a life and influence the behavior of somebody for good. Honorable Edmund Bartlett, Minister of Tourism for Jamaica, it has been an absolute pleasure. I have so many other questions for oh. you, but I have to set you free. <laughs> yes, you have to. From George's Plain to the world. Or Thank you so world. much yeah. for being my special Remember, guest. Remember, I told you about how <laughs> our little community was structured too. It, they had many little streets and every street had a name, not of uh, a, a person per se, mm -hmm. but of a, a district. So the street became a district. <laughs> So in George's Plain, you had many little districts, and one of them is Jane Marks. Jane Marks, <laughs> all right. So from Jane Marks, George's yeah. Plain, to the world. To the world, yes. Thank you so much. It Bless has been you. an absolute okay. pleasure. Have yourself a great day today, and travel safely Thank as you. you take some time to fan the flames yes. of love. Thank you so much for listening to Tourism Titans. We welcome your feedback at letusknow at tpdeco.org. Leave us a comment, share, like, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at tpdecoja. I'm Marlene Stevenson-Daly. See you soon.